And you can turn with me in your Bibles if you like to, to Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 16 through 30. It's also in your service sheets if, if you find that uh, easier. Luke 4, verses 16 through 30. So we're, we're continuing our series through uh, the essentials of the Christian church. Uh, we've looked at earlier uh, in the year the essentials of the, the Christian faith. What are the things that, that uh, we, we have to hold to, that we hold true uh, as, as believers and, and followers of Christ Jesus? Now we're looking at uh, what it means to, to be a church of Christ Jesus. What are the things that he, he calls us to, that, that he requires of us uh, as his church? Uh, and last week we, we started on what are, are called the, the three marks of the Christian church, these, these three essentials, these three things that uh, if, if they're not present in a, in a local church, then it, it can't really be called uh, a proper church. Uh, the first one that we, we looked at last week were, were the sacraments uh, and, and how we observe the sacraments. And we, we did that last week because we observed the Lord's Supper together. Uh, tonight we're looking at uh, the preaching of the Word of God. Why is it that we preach God's Word? Uh, why do we, as a, as a church, think that that, that, that matters and, and that that's so essential to, to the, the Church of Christ that if, if it weren't there, if it were lacking, then it couldn't, we couldn't be called a proper church? Uh, and we see that, I think, in, in part, in, in large part, uh, in Luke 4, verses 16 through 30. Uh, and this is God's word. And he, that's, that's Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as, he was, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to, to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God stands forevermore. Now I'm sure we're all aware, most of you uh, walked past it on the way here tonight, that just across the road from us is a new mini Ikea. It was one of the most... Uh, highly anticipated uh, store openings, I suppose, in, in this part of, of London for, for a couple of years. And it, it opened just, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I missed it. I missed the grand opening. I heard it was grand. 
uh, but I was away, unfortunately. But most people, when we when we think of of IKEA, what what do we think about? We we think about furniture, don't we? We think about furniture that that looks amazing in the showroom, but then when it gets delivered to your home, you find it in this tiny box that has about a thousand pieces you have to put together. That's when you realize that that this is going to to be painful, and it's it's probably going to get a bit heated. That's why I think that that actually the very best thing about IKEA is the meatballs. <laughs> And actually, if you stop and think about Sweden, you probably think about meatballs before flat pack furniture, don't you? Now, granted, uh, this is a this is a weird introduction, isn't it? Um, stay with me here. Uh, and just so you know, I wasn't paid by IKEA to to give a promotion. I, I just found myself late in the week needing something to to get our attention this night. But when people in our when our people in our culture think about the church, what do you reckon they think about? Kind of like us thinking about Ikea, you know, what do we think about? We think about the furniture, we think about the meatballs. What do you think people think about the church? Most people probably don't think much of it in our culture, do they? Most people would probably think about uh, the charity work that they think the church, the church does and should be doing. Most of them will probably think that's the place we go for, for weddings or christenings. But what I want to suggest to us this evening is that, that actually the, the heartbeat of the church is the word of God. And therefore, the, the preaching of, of the word of God is, is absolutely central to, to who we are and what we do as a church of Christ. And I say that because I think that's what we see in, in Jesus as, as well as in the apostles. It's not just because this is, this is my job. It's, it's because I think we, we actually see that in the word of God. And so tonight I want us to see uh, three things from our passage. First of all, why we preach the word. Secondly, what we can expect from the preached word. And then third, how that, that word impacts our church. So first, let's, let's look at this, why, why we preach the word. The, the main reason we, we preach the word of God is because we're followers of Jesus, and that's what we see him doing, isn't it? Look back at, at verse 16. It says that, that Jesus came to Nazareth where he had, he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he, he stood up uh, to read. He stood up to, to read the scripture. It was, it was his custom to get up uh, and read and, and teach the word of God. Notice that it, was, uh, uh, the, 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 that, that it was his custom on the Sabbath to do this. Uh, the synagogue was, was simply a, a place of worship for the people of God, the, the Jewish people. Um, more specifically, it was a place where, where the word of God was taught. Now, in first century Judaism, uh, there, were, there were certain things that you had to go to the temple in Jerusalem in order to do. There would be things like sacrificing on the altar. But not everyone could do that every single week, could they? If you live in Nazareth or, or some other part of the world, you, you might do really well to get back to the temple once a year for something like that. So, so throughout the world, there were established these, these synagogues. And they were, they were set up to be the, the centers of, of Jewish worship in the main cities and, and towns uh, throughout the, the Roman world, the, the settled, established world of those days. And so wherever you would find large numbers of Jewish believers, you would find a synagogue. Now, worship in the synagogue would involve sometimes uh, singing, probably a psalm. There would be, as we, as we see Jesus doing this evening, uh, the reading of a, a passage of the scriptures, and in this case, Isaiah the prophet. And there would be uh, a sermon or a homily that we, we hear Jesus 
uh, giving tonight, expounding upon the text. There'd be prayers, there'd be a blessing from the local priest. Now, does that sound familiar at all? It's very much what we do, isn't it, as, as a church? You see, the, the, the things we do as a church aren't things that we've, we've made up. And they're not just simply traditions that have, have been handed down from generation to generation. They are, they are the very fabric of, of what it is to be, to be part of God's people. It wasn't simply uh, Jewish culture, but it was actually something that, that God had given to his people. It has marked the worship of God's people from, from before the coming of Christ. And that's why, why actually the preaching of the word of God is so essential to the church, because it was so central to that, that early practice, the very beginning, even before Christ. But Jesus also participated in the preaching of God's word. And in doing so, he, he really establishes it as part of, as part of the worship of, of his followers in the Christian church. And we see this continue with the apostles following the, the ascension of Jesus. We, we actually read this week, didn't we? Uh, in Acts, in our, our home group together, where the, the apostles, when they were sent out, they would, they would whatever, whatever city or town they went to, uh, they would be drawn to the synagogue, wouldn't they? Where they would worship on the Sabbath. And when they did, they would, they would often be asked to, to preach. And when they were asked to preach, they would, they would always preach the same message that, that Jesus preached here, didn't, didn't they? That Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, sent by God. You notice what Jesus said here. He, he unrolls this, this scroll that, that contained Isaiah's prophecy. And he reads this bit from Isaiah 61. Then he, then he begins with this, this attention-getting statement in verse 21. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now that's, that's quality material, isn't it? That's bold. That's way better than the rubbish I was saying about Ikea earlier. But Jesus gets their attention, doesn't he? And he gets it by, by claiming to be the Christ, the Messiah that Isaiah was anticipating. And, and the thing is, he's doing this in his hometown. Everyone knows him. They, they, they think, you know, isn't that, at first they think, isn't that, that cute? Joseph's son is, is preaching. Yeah, that's, that's nice. They don't want to take him seriously. But then notice how Jesus applies the scripture to the people he's speaking to. In a way that, that is, it's both bold and it's, it's actually quite brutal, isn't it? Just think about the outline of a sermon. If you, if you had your journal and you were sitting there that day taking your sermon notes, what would you have written down? Point one, Jesus claims to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Point two, we aren't going to listen because he's one of us. Point three, when God's people reject his prophet, then the word is sent to others, even to, even to Gentiles. Like that's... That's the summary of what he says, isn't it? Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. You're going to reject me. The gospel's going to go to people that you consider unclean, outsiders, because that's, that's how God's word works. It's both bold and impressive, isn't it? He is taking God's word and, and displaying an, an intimate understanding of it, which is what we would expect from, from Jesus. But then he, he explains and applies it to, to the people that he's, he's preaching to. And this is exactly what Jesus calls his church to do. He, he leads us by his example. Jesus has called Grace Church Hammersmith to know and to love the word of God and to boldly proclaim its truth to, to this city and to our culture. And we do it for the same reason that Jesus did it. Because God's word has, has uh, established, uh, God has established his word 
as the way in which he calls people to himself. God's word is true and it's good, even when it doesn't end up being particularly popular. And that's what we see actually in our, our second point this evening. What we can expect from the preached word. Why does Jesus say the things that he says to, to the people at the synagogue in his hometown? It's objectively offensive, isn't it? None of us would, would, would be very happy to hear it if we were sitting amongst them, would we? And he knew that it would be offensive before he said it. Couldn't he have said something uh, a bit nicer to start off with? You know, maybe he, he, he could have uh, massaged the message a little bit uh, to win a hearing and, 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 and gain their trust before he hits them with the really tough stuff. Maybe then more people would have, would have listened. Maybe he would have had a more successful ministry amongst them. That's how we try to do it, isn't it? That's how we think about it. We, we want to gain the hearing, so maybe uh, we hold back a bit on the, the stuff that we think is going to, to really put people off. Why does Jesus do it the way he does it? Well, it's because God's word is, is both true and it's good. Even the hard stuff. Even the stuff that we don't like. And most of all, Jesus was called to be faithful to it. See, what Jesus tells these, these Sabbath day worshipers is, is the absolute exact truth. They've been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah to come, and he tells them that, that he's it. That's true, isn't it? He's the one they've been waiting on, but they, they don't want to hear that. And then he warns them that, that, uh, that God's grace will pass over them, and it will go to others. If they, if they don't embrace him and they don't want to hear what he has to say. And they don't want to hear what he has to say, do they? In fact, they're horribly offended by it. And so they're so angry, in fact, that they, they drag Jesus out of the synagogue and they take him out of the town and, and they're ready to, to throw him off this cliff and, and kill him. They're, they're so offended by what he had to say to them. What can we expect from the preached word? Well, we can expect it to be horribly offensive to the people that we preach it to. And at some point while you're with us at Grace Church, you're, if, you're, if you're not horribly offended, then I'm, I'm probably doing this wrong, and I, I apologize. And it seems counterintuitive, though, doesn't it? You know, again, we in a, a lot of churches today think we should be, we should be bringing in big crowds, and we, should, and we should try to tailor our message of God's word in a way that's going to be palatable. And it would be nice to bring in big crowds, wouldn't it? We'd love to have more people come and, and hear God's word. But that's not what we see Jesus doing. Jesus does tailor his message to his audience, but, but not in the way any, any sane person would, not in the way that, that, that we would want him to. He doesn't pull his punches. Rather, he speaks directly to the, the issue at the core of their hearts. They were a people who wanted wanted all the advantages of being God's people without having to accept his Messiah as their Savior. And that's what Jesus is calling them out on here. They want religious ceremony. They want special status before God. They want to be free of the Roman occupation. But they don't want this kid who's, who they've, they've known, who, whose earthly father is a, a carpenter, who they went to school with. They don't want him coming around and telling them that he's that Messiah even if it's true. So folks, look, if, if we're, if we're going to be a church that, that follows Jesus, 
then we have to do as Jesus did and preach God's word boldly to, to our culture and our city. And what that means is often saying the very things that are, are clearly in God's word, but that people don't want to hear. Things like we're, we're sinners and that Jesus is the only and exclusive way to be made right with God. That doesn't matter how much charity work you've done. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how much you, you meditate. It doesn't matter who your acupuncturist is. It doesn't matter whether you worked for the NHS through COVID or not. Jesus is the only way to be made right with God. That's pretty offensive, isn't it? Oh, but, but it gets worse. Just wait for it. These are the things I'm, that, that I would not be allowed to say on television. We have to say things that, that clearly go against the secular creeds of our day. Here it comes. Things, things like marriages between a man and a woman. And Jesus wants you to stick with that, that man or woman until death. Or how about gender isn't fluid. You're created male or, or female and God doesn't, doesn't get that wrong. No matter how you might feel about it. Or maybe Jesus doesn't want you sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend because he made sex to be within, within marriage only. There's lots of them we could say about sex, aren't there? Let's, let's try some others. Jesus doesn't want you to lie to your boss or your spouse or your parents, even about little stuff. Jesus wants you to pay your taxes. He actually explicitly says that at one point. Jesus doesn't want you to, to drink too much or to eat too much for that matter. I do find that one upsetting. Are we offended yet? Have I, have I missed anyone? You see, the word of God is, is full of truths that whether you, you like them or not, and whether, whether I like them or not, we're, we're obligated as a church to proclaim because we're the church of Christ. And he shows us that, that we can expect consequences for doing so. I hope no one's ever going to try and throw any of us off a cliff, but, but I think in their hearts they probably will want to. So we shouldn't be surprised if at some point we, we lose our charity status as a church. Or we get asked to leave one of the, the places that we hire for, for our worship. Don't be surprised if, if you perhaps one day even lose, lose a job opportunity. Because your, your employer hears you attend our church or, or a church like ours. We have to count the cost. And the Apostle Paul actually actually warns us about this he 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 says almost exactly the same thing he 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 lays out for for timothy a a young minister uh exactly what what i think i'm saying what what i think we see in in christ's ministry this is what he said these are some of the last words paul wrote from 2 timothy 3 12 through through chapter 4 verse 4 here here's what he said i'm going to read it all paul writing to timothy a young minister indeed all who desire to live a godly life in christ jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived but as for you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for proof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete 
equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul says it, doesn't he? When you preach the word, you're going to be persecuted for it. While it looks like other people are, are being really successful. But what's he tell Timothy to do? He says just keep preaching, doesn't he? Just keep preaching. Just keep proclaiming the truth. Why? Because because you know where it's come from. You know who's who's given it to you. You know who's who's established it. And you know what it's good for. You see, we preach God's word and, and we proclaim his truth not because it's fun. And we don't do it because we, we're just mean and we like to say hard things. We preach God's word because it is true. And while that, that truth is almost certainly going to have consequences for us, we, we speak the truth because, because it's good. Because we know where it's come from. We know who's given it to us. And that's what we see in our third point this evening, is, is actually the word of God is, is good. And we see that in how it impacts on the church. Why is it that Jesus can, can say such hard things to these, to these people who are gathered that day? Nearly 2,000 years ago. In a, in a little synagogue in Nazareth. Well, the reason is because he, he actually knew these people really well. And not just because he, he grew up with them. He knew them and he knew exactly what they needed to hear. His, his message can, can appear harsh until you realize that, that what he has to offer, what he's trying to get them to, is, is, is actually good news. See, Jesus knew that these people... Who had wandered were, were people who had wandered from God, from from who He'd made them to be, both from a creation standpoint, but also from a redemption standpoint. These were these were the people who 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 God had had called out of slavery in Egypt. That was that was part of their history, their heritage. God had led them into into the land, the the very land that they were they were meeting on this particular day. But they were people who had ultimately rejected God. And they were going through the, the motions of religious practice so that when the Son of God turns up and, and calls them out, the impact actually appears to be quite negative, doesn't it? Again, that, that cliff. So where's the good news here? Well, the good news is actually verse 30. Look at verse 30. But passing through their midst, he went away. And what did Jesus do when he went away? He did exactly what, what Paul would later tell Timothy to do. He kept preaching. You see, on this day, the, the message became a message of condemnation for those who, who heard it and were, were gathered there. But there would be other days where, where the reaction would be slightly different. There's another brilliant example of Jesus saying some, some really uh, rather offensive things to his gathered audience in, in John chapter 6. And, I, and we won't turn there. But in the end, the, this, this mass of people who were gathered there that day uh, decide to, to turn away and no longer want to follow him. 
that sounds bad, but but there's there's a small group, some of his closest followers, who who Jesus turns to and he he asks them, "Do you want to go away too?" And, and Peter, a, a rather bold disciple, responds, "Where else are we to go? Only you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed." And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see the the contrast between the two reactions. You see in that the, the real impact of the proclamation of the Word of God. Whether it's it's by me or, or another minister or, or Jesus Himself. The Word of God is is divisive. And it and it divides between life and death. And there's simply no in-between. The Word of God is good and it's powerful precisely because it tells us the hard things that we desperately need to hear. In a world and culture that says, just be your authentic you. Be whoever you are. The Gospel says you can't be who you are meant to be. Because you've abandoned the one who made you fearfully and wonderfully. In a world that says there's hope in living life by your terms. The gospel says that the only real hope is to find righteousness in the one outside of ourselves and live obediently to his word. And the truth is that 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 feels like death, doesn't it? It's like killing ourselves to live, to to turn away from those things that that we we've hoped in and desired. And that's that's why the, the the people gathered that day in the synagogue want to take him up and, and kill him because it's easier to kill Jesus sometimes than it is to, to kill off the sin in our own hearts. And that's why we so desperately need Jesus. That's what we that's what we see when we look at Jesus. That's that's what Peter and the other disciples saw and heard. They saw and heard the only one who could really offer them eternal life. They saw the only one who could could really be called holy and righteous before God. Because in Jesus they saw the the only God who could who could take on our flesh and dwell among us in order to pay for our sins and bring us before God as his holy people. See Jesus through the proclamation of his word is is calling out a people for himself and he's he's doing that in his church throughout the world. And we expect him to do that here at Grace Church, Hammersmith. And that's the good news. And when we proclaim that, then we we may not see many, but Jesus says we are we're going to see some who profess faith in him and, and follow him. Because Jesus builds his church through the proclamation of his word. So that's why we preach it. That's why we proclaim it, even though it's it's hard for us to hear. Even though it's it's, it's probably going to have negative consequences by worldly standards. We preach and we proclaim it because in the word of God, we hear who we truly are. We hear who we, who, who we, and we hear our, our need of Jesus. And we learn from his word the, the great love of Christ for us, even while we were sinners. Amen. Let us pray.